0: So how are you at digging? Odd question, I know, but we are going somewhere with it. As Steve said, this is um, part two of a three-part series, um, thinking about mental health issues. And I just wanted to recap the fact that this isn't all of mental health. We're thinking about the touching point between mental health and uh, spiritual well-being, for want of of a better phrase. We recognise that mental health issues can impact Christians just as much as non-Christians. We think about um, people in the Bible who encountered real challenges around their mental health. Jonah and Elijah, for example, both prayed at one point that God would end their life because things were so difficult for them. The Psalms are full of prayers of lament and um, expressions of real challenges of life circumstances. And when we're thinking about mental health, we're not thinking um, in this series, pray harder, memorize scripture fast, and then God will grant you good mental health. We're thinking about a gospel-rooted approach to mental health, which is all about grace rather than works. Okay, so as we come to think about Our uh, Bible reading today. Do, if you've bought a Bible with you, um, use that, or you might have one on your phone, or grab a church Bible. It is helpful when we're thinking about the Bible to actually have something in front of you, just to double check that I'm speaking the truth and I'm not going off randomly. Um, So, our passage today is um, Jeremiah 2, verses 12 and 13, which can be found in the church Bibles. It's page 757 page 757 Jeremiah 2 so just a couple of verses we're looking at today and those verses read be appalled at this you heavens and shudder with great horror declares the Lord my people have committed two sins they have forsaken me the spring of living water And have dug their own cisterns broken cisterns that cannot hold water this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God so how are you at digging remember we're we're working um, with some ideas that presented in the book these three things And the book sets out three needs, and they're legitimate needs we thought about in our last session. Um, So we were thinking previously about our need for security. Um, Today we'll be thinking about our need for self-worth and um, in our next session in this series, we'll be thinking about our need for significance. And the book, These Three Things, aligns um, each of those needs to a particular question. So significance, I beg your pardon, um, security would ask, who am I? Self-worth would ask, do I matter? And significance, we'll go on to think about in a couple of weeks' time, is asking the question, what's the point? So if you're struggling to think, what does it mean, self-worth? We're thinking about the question, do I matter? Uh, In terms of structure today, we're taking it very simple. What's the problem? What's the solution? And my prayer this morning is that we will be convinced of the problem and comforted by the solution. So this question, do I matter? Do I have worth? It's an idea which goes to the very core of our being, and so it's something that perhaps we have been wrestling with, or maybe you're not so aware of wrestling with the question so much as fearing the answer. If we have a raw point when it comes to self-worth, then seemingly insignificant things will, will really shake us We don't often understand why those situations rattle us. Things like someone pushing in front of us in the shopping queue or your partner not taking the bins out, even though you've asked them 20, 30 times before. It presses on that button, do I matter? And because that's so key to our self, we We can't rest until that question is answered. And so what happens is we strive to prove our worth, to persuade other people of our worth. We like to collect things that will give us worth in the way that um, a guide or a scout might collect badges to show people what they can do. We casually drop things into conversation. Well, after I'd earned my first million, when I'd got my second doctorate, funny story. When I was dating Brad Pitt, digging away. Has anyone seen the film? Um, I know it's quite an old one now. Um, the Gwyneth Paltrow adaptation of Emma. Has anyone seen that? Few, few nods there. Um, so, in this story, there is a character called Missus Elton. Now, Mrs. Elton knows that it's against the rules of society to go about singing your own praises, but there's no flies on her. She's found a loophole. No one said anything about quoting other people singing your praises, and she exploits this loophole to the extreme. So for example, when she's talking about her musical talents, she says, I myself don't call them great. I only know other people call them so you get the idea digging away and we can laugh at that because we recognize that pattern of behavior in other people and perhaps at times in ourself as well now Mrs. Elton does that all the way through that film it's not a one-off thing and there's a reason that just doing it once isn't enough There's a reason that you might gain one of those little gems of worth, perhaps through an achievement or a compliment, but after a while it's not enough and you need to find something else. There's a reason for that pattern, and the reason is we've been digging leaky cisterns. We're not able to retain those things that we want to. Those little gems of worth pass through our fingers like sand. In Covent Garden, Linda, could you pop that first slide up? There's a bridge called the Bridge of Aspirations, and it goes from the Royal Ballet School crossing over to the Royal Opera House. And you can imagine, can't you, dancers training, and they're working so hard, longing, yearning for a time that they'll be able to cross over from the Royal Ballet School, across the Bridge of Aspirations, and fulfil their dreams to dance at the Royal Opera House. When we're striving to gain or maintain self-worth by our own efforts, It's as though we are always at the Royal Ballet School, longingly gazing over the bridge of aspirations, but never quite managing to fulfil our dreams. We're always one side of the bridge looking across at the other side. In case you're not convinced yet, here are some signs that you've been digging leaky cisterns. Um, and as we go through these you might want to have a think about which ones resonate for you number one we wrestle for recognition so we're not satisfied just by receiving a compliment we want to be complimented more than the next person we're prepared to have a bit of a tussle over it number two we dread a decrease anytime we gain any sense of self-worth or credit or praise from other people we immediately fear that we're going to lose that again number three we are angry at absence so if we find ourselves in a situation where perhaps we thought that praise or credit might be forthcoming and then for some reason it isn't forthcoming we have a disproportionate emotional response to that we feel angry or aggrieved number four we con for compliments it's as though we put people in an emotional headlock until they give us what we need number five we advertise our achievements a bit like mrs elton we're constantly telling people what we've done what we can do what we own um, what we've achieved number six we combat or crumple at criticism so we fear that any type of criticism might have an impact on our worth or on how other people view our worth and so either we fight against it we're we're fiercely defensive against criticism or we crumple at it it utterly destroys us. Number seven we thunder against threats so we go on the offensive so imagine there's something that you know you're good at You're the best person at doing this one thing. And then somebody else comes along and actually they're a bit better at this one thing than you. That that can feel really threatening and it might lead us then to um, criticise that person, try to put that person down for fear that we'll look less um, against them. Number eight, we are mortified by mistakes. The prospect of making a mistake just leaves us almost paralyzed um, because we don't want to look less in other people's eyes. Number nine, we give up on the game or we're tempted to give up on the game. We we get a sense that no matter how hard we try, we're never going to win against those other voices which are also clambering and demanding those compliments, that praise, that worth. And so we don't want to go on anymore. And number 10, our thirst is always there. No matter how hard we try, we're always striving and never quite managing to achieve or hold on to the things that we most want to. If you're not sure what digging leaky systems looks like for you, have a think about what you reach for, what you turn to at a point when you're feeling perhaps a bit low about yourself. And that may well be an indicator there for you it might be social media it might be um, going to the hairdressers getting a new haircut um, but have a think about how that works out for you so jeremiah 2 um just to be um clear to begin with that those verses aren't specifically written about our need for self-worth but it's um It's looking at any way, any need that we might have that we would try to meet in some other way apart from approaching God. So actually this passage is addressing idolatry and you might think, June, that's an odd choice when we're thinking about self-worth. But actually, when we think about what goes on in these patterns of behaviour, Don't we recognise some idolatry, don't we recognise that these are patterns that would lead us to worship, to rely on, to trust in, to reach for things other than God. When we're thinking about worshipping other things, this could happen in one of two ways, I think. So it might be that we end up worshipping the things that we think are going to give us worth. So it might be the job, the relationship, the hobby, the academic achievement, that we find that we end up worshipping that that becomes number one in our lives. Or it could be that we want, in our mixed up broken way of thinking, we want some of the credits For ourselves if I have worth because I have Mensa level IQ I can bake like Mary Berry dance like Darcy Bustle run like Usain Bolt then I can do a bit of glory basking can't I I can do a bit of worshipping me The trouble is the more we strive after those things which give us worth the further we move away from god and having our needs met by god jeremiah 2 tells us that there are two parts to this problem and we've been thinking about this problem of digging leaky cisterns but actually the first part jeremiah 2 tells us is that we've forsaken God the spring of living water he is the one able to meet our needs no digging required he bestows worth upon us it isn't worth that we can win which might be a disappointment for some of us and it isn't a worth we can lose, which is the ultimate reassurance. This is the difference, um, Tim Keller describes this as the difference between worth which is achieved and worth which is received. So what if we recognise this pattern in our lives, this this pattern of striving to gain and maintain self-worth? And we recognise we probably all do this to a lesser or greater extent in our lives. What do we do if we recognise this pattern? Well, the book These Three Things has a chapter which is entitled Remember, Repent, Return. And that's basically what we need to do. To remember that God is the spring of living water. That it's in our relationship with God that we find our intrinsic worth. We repent of our digging, of worshipping other things, of placing other things before God because we think those things will better meet our needs. We repent of that. And we return to a position of being dependent on God, the spring of living water. And we do that process, not just once for all, but on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis. Every time that we notice we've picked up the shovel again and we've started digging. Every time, remember, repent, return. If I have worth because I'm created by God in his image and purchased with the precious blood of Jesus, If I have worth simply because God decided before the creation of the world that what he really wanted was a June if that's where my worth is then the glory goes to him the worship goes to him far from being the worshipped I become the worshipper I find my rightful place there's release and relief the pressure is off my value is eternally and irrevocably fixed I'm dependent on the spring of living water water which will never run dry this is where our needs are met this is where our worth, thirst is quenched. Now, I'd like to say a little something for anybody who really resonated with that. Number nine, we give up on the game or we're tempted to give up on the game. And perhaps for you, it feels like this striving for self-worth is just too hard, you're exhausted by it, and you're feeling like you want to give up. And I want to just take a moment to think about a story from Genesis 16. And so amidst this horribly abusive story, there is this beautiful encounter with God. So this story is about Abraham and Sarah. Um, Actually, they've got old names at this point, but for ease, let's call them Abraham and Sarah. So they've not been able to have children. Has anyone seen or read the book or the um, series Handmaid's Tale? Yeah, a few nods here. So this sort of dystopian idea of um, society really struggling to conceive children and horribly they um, capture women who they think are fertile and exploit them to to force them to have children. And so effectively, that's what um, Sarah does. She decides that she will give her servant Hagar to Abraham so that they can have children. And as soon as um, Hagar becomes pregnant, Sarah really struggles and and really abuses her. And Hagar is so distressed by all of this that she runs into the desert. And she's she's sitting by, and I think this is interesting in light of um, our Jeremiah 2 reading, she's sitting by a spring of water when the angel of the Lord appears. And at the end of this encounter, Hagar gives God a new name she calls him the god who sees me the god who sees me and he does he's seen everything she's been going through and he sees everything you've been going through even if other people in your circumstances Don't see your worth, don't understand the struggles you've been encountering. God absolutely sees. It matters to him. It matters so much that the God who sees you didn't keep his distance. He came to earth because he was longing that you would know the God who sees you. Do I matter? When we think about the cross, we recognise the price Jesus paid to bring us back into relationship with himself. It cost him everything. The shedding of his precious blood, that's the price he paid for you and me. Do I matter? The cross speaks to this issue with violent clarity and brutal eloquence. The cross answers this question a thousand times, and the answer is always the same. Do I matter? The cross says yes. Absolutely you matter, beyond a shadow of a doubt. You don't have worth, though, because of what you do or what you've done, but because of God and the value he places on you. You were created in his image. By the way, if anybody wants um, any of these Bible references, I've got a few sheets with some of them on afterwards, so um, perhaps I'll leave them at the back. You were created in his image. He decided before the foundation of the world that what he really wanted was a you. The Message Bible puts it like this, long before he laid the earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love. He knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are his workmanship, his handiwork. And when you were lost, he purchased you at great cost because he so dearly longs to have relationship with you. He cares about the tiny details of your life so much that he knows how many hairs are on your head. Whether you see it or not, your value is eternally and irrevocably fixed. Which means we can put the shovel down step away from the leaky cistern be refreshed be satisfied be assured that even if others never see your worth god sees and in his eyes you could not matter more in a moment we're going to remember what Jesus did for us through communion and this is a really precious opportunity to recognize our dependence on God the spring of living water to rest in him and receive so I would really encourage you to use this as a really meaningful moment Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the spring of living water. And Lord, we acknowledge that there are many times that we've gone elsewhere. We've been digging those leaky cisterns, trying to find a sense of worth for ourselves in other places. We want to say this morning, Lord, that we're sorry. We ask that you would forgive us, that you would cleanse us, that you would help us to reorder our loves. We pray that you'd help us to make you number one, that we would be dependent upon you, that we would rest in you. Lord, be working this in and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.